we last time we were talking about uh, we we had kind of started with the creation story in Genesis. Um, we talked about in the very first uh, in the very first verse here where God begins this creation and, and he creates the heavens and earth. And we were, we were talking about how, just to kind of refresh our memories, um, how the, the natural creation of God, well, first of all, just that the word creation, uh, I think, has to do with God making something that represents or that glorifies or that... Um, expresses himself. That's what I think creation is all about. I, I use the phrase a, a, a universe of self-expression or revelation, you could say, or a state of glory. That's what I think creation is all about. Creation, God didn't create in order to uh, just in order to, to make something. He wasn't bored. He wasn't experimenting. He wasn't lonely or whatever. He created because through creation, his plan, his purpose was to glorify himself, to create a, a to make something that he could literally, well, that would reflect him in every way, but that ultimately, that the greatness of the new creation is that he could dwell in what he made and have it be, you know, sometimes I compare it to like a, a, a light, uh, the sunlight entering into a diamond and and the diamond doesn't have any glory of its own, but it receives and refracts and reflects and 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 the the sunlight in ways that are that are beautiful. Uh, in, in a sense, you could say that the, the 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 diamond glorifies the sun, but not because the diamond has glory, but because the diamond contains what the sun gives it and and displays it in a way that is glorious. And um, and and that was, I think, God's ultimate purpose for creation. He was making something that would be somewhat akin to a diamond, that would contain Him, not just look like Him, but contain Him, and and uh, and He He could live in it, and fill it with Himself, with His nature, His character, His His, his just all of His attributes: righteousness, goodness, truth, light, whatever. And the end result would be this new creation or this new city or this new people or this bride or whatever type and shadow language you want to use to describe it. The ultimate end result is this creation that is filled with and reflective of and bears the, bears the substance of God's being and reflects that being in a way that... Uh, that that glorifies him, that puts him on display, that 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 creates a state of glory in his creation. That is to say, a, a state where all things in his creation are expressive of him in some way. Well, first he did that in the natural creation. First he he he, he well he he didn't do it in in a sense where he could actually indwell it like he can in the new creation, but he did it in the old creation in such a way that the, the natural realm was kind of this living universe of self-expression with things like you know light and seeds that are growing and producing an increase and animals and, and, and man and all the things that are involved in, in natural creation. 
was a picture of, it was a kind of a glory. It's the glory that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 as the, as the lesser glory or the temporary glory. It was a glory of a shadow. It wasn't the glory of the substance. It was the, it was the, the glory of the former house is less than the glory of the latter house. The glory of the latter house is the actual house that God lives in which is us, okay, which is the new creation, the new temple, the new Jerusalem, all these new things that, and he's the newness of all those new things. Well, I guess what I was trying to communicate last time was that before the creation of the world, there was the substance, there was the word, there was the, the reality that was good, and then God began, he made a creation, he made a natural creation, and he began to add to that natural creation um, aspects of Christ, to say it one way, or, or element, or he began to form the image of Christ in that creation. So it started off with these three words that we talked about last time, formless, void, darkness, and and yet he began to act on that creation. It didn't say it was wicked, evil, and disgusting, or corrupt, or whatever. It was formless, void, and it was something. It was something that God had made. It was good, but it lacked form. It lacked substance. Um, <clears throat> and 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 so and it lacked light. And so what God uh, what God began to do was operate in such a way on, on this creation where uh, he starts to, to to use New Testament, New Covenant language, he begins to form the image of Christ in this old creation, in this first creation. And he begins with light. Everything starts with light. And I think that's kind of what we focused on last time more than anything, is that the creation, the, the natural creation... In fact, all three creations, when God begins to form Christ in a creation, he begins with light. I said last time that there's really three principal creations that the Bible talks about. Uh, and I'm not trying to talk about some extraterrestrial world or something. I'm just talking about the natural physical creation of the heavens and earth that we see in Genesis chapter 1. Then there's the creation of, of his covenant people, a covenant creation, which he also refers to in several of the prophets in various places as another heavens and earth. He talks to them in that language. I'll show you some verses um, about that uh, in a little bit here. But And then, um, so you have this natural creation of physical elements and, and whatever. Then you have this, this um, covenant creation. And then you have this new creation in Christ, in the new, which is both a new creation and a new covenant, and a new man. I mean, it's 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 the new it's it's a it's a new everything. It has a new light, you know. It, ha it has a new dwelling place. It has a new kind of increase. All some of the same elements you see in the very beginning. Um, it, it it also has a new temple, which isn't you know. It's not natural. It, it, it has all the elements of the first creation and the, the creation of Israel. And it brings them all into their spiritual and final perfect substance in Christ. And so beginning with the, in the very beginning, God, what I'm trying to show you is that in each case, God makes something. Okay? And yet, the thing that God makes 
is formless, empty, and void, or formless, void, and dark. Sorry, formless, void, and dark. And God begins to act upon his creation in such a way that it more and more bears the image of Jesus Christ. He did it with the first creation. There's an order. He starts with light. He then deals with the heavens, then the earth, then a, then a government or kingdom type thing. Then it sums up in a man, which and then it goes to rest, and, and, and the rest is this state of glory. And he does something very similar in the second, in, in Israel. I talked about last time how uh, Israel was... How, how did Israel come about? Israel was created through being baptized into the death of the Lamb and coming out with him in the light of a new day. All of Israel painted the blood on their doors. All of Israel went into the blood, went into that blood-covered house. They ate the dead lamb. They were baptized into his death. They were made participants of his death. And, uh, and then they came out, but God specifically said to them, Do not come out until the light of the next day. So they come out in this new light and they start, they, they, the next thing you see is God separating the uh, the waters from the dry land and he makes a place for them on the dry land. Um, and and that parallels the creation story too. He brings them, um, well I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but what I'm trying to say is that the story repeats itself. Genesis 1 starts over again, you could say, in, in a, in, with Israel in Exodus chapter 12. And the creation language is the same. In fact, in, in a lot of different instances, God speaks... Let me give you a few examples here. Jeremiah 4. Uh, he's talking to, to, to Israel. Okay, He says, For my people... Jeremiah 4.22 For my people are foolish. Um... Me they have not known. Foolish sons are they, yea, they are not intelligent, they are wise to do evil, and to do good they have no knowledge. And he says, I looked to the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. And then he continues, but all of this is a description of his people. He's looking to his people and he's saying that they are formless and void, and they have no light. And he's talking about Israel. He's talking about Israel when they had lost their the the the, the glory that God had um, given them in 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 the covenant and in the kingdom of David and everything. This is right before Jeremiah is right before the the uh, captivity here. And 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 so you see God dealing with His people in the same language and with the same exact words through Jeremiah uh, as He uses in Genesis. And another place where you can see how God, God's view of what he was doing with uh, Israel is in, is in Ezekiel 16, where there's this awesome description in Ezekiel chapter 16 of, of God's view, God's perspective of what he was doing with his people Israel. I'm just going to read a little bit of this because it's really, it's really great. But what I want you to see here is that he he begins to operate in Israel to beautify, to glorify um, himself in this people, to cause them to bear his glory. Okay, and 
and that's what he's doing here. So that's what he did in the first creation, that's what he's doing here. Ezekiel 16, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you, nor were you rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out into the open field, when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your blood, I said to you, in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, in your blood, live. And I made you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew. And you matured, and you became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood. And I anointed you with oil. I mean, the, the the pictorial language here, guys, I don't know if it's touching you the same way, but it's just, every word here is just so filled with meaning. Um, just uh, just everything here, the, the, the water, the covenant, the, the blood, the live, the, you know, the, the, the nakedness being covered and, and all this stuff. Then I, it says, okay, then I washed you in water and then, anointed you with oil, I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin, I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk, I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrist and a chain on your neck, I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head, thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen, silk and embroidered cloth, you ate pastry of fine flour, honey and oil, you were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty, your fame went out among the nations because because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor, which I had bestowed upon you, says the Lord. And then it goes on to the bad news, and it says, But you trusted in your own beauty, played the harlot because of your fame, poured out your harlotry on every pa- and, and everyone passing by who would have it, and blah, blah, blah. It goes on to say, You took the gold that I gave you, and you used it, made it into idols. And you took this that I gave you, and you made it into that. And he goes on to, 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 to all these really sad descriptions of uh, not only what they do, uh, they did, but what we do as well. But what I'm hoping that, that you can see here is that God's dealing with the earth in the beginning was to take something formless, empty, and dark, and starting with light, to begin to turn the natural creation into a state of glory. That is to say, a state of self-expression a state in which God is seen, expressed, manifested, illustrated through everything that he is filling up with that, that, that creation with. And then he, he, he does that, and of course we know that right in the beginning of the story, the creation makes its first break from that image through sin through the lie, through Adam and Eve believing the lie, and 
and coming to represent basically something contrary to the mind of the Lord. They, they, they became knowledgeable of good and evil only by becoming the evil on the other side uh, that is represented by that tree. In other words, the only way that they could actually know something that was contrary to good was by becoming that thing in themselves. That's how they gained that knowledge. Yes, I mean yes they ate that that fruit, but it's not like it was a magic fruit. It was it was a lie that they believed and they acted on and they took upon themselves. They became the first thing in creation uh, of the, the natural world that broke from that expression that 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 no longer aligned with the mind and purpose and glory of God. In other words, they fell short of the glory of God. They became something less than the than the expression or the glory of God. And and they they gained the understanding of the difference between good and evil by becoming in themselves the the first break in 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 purpose in the natural creation. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like they, in order to understand the distinction between good and evil, they had to like step over the line and look at it from 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 a side that they were never supposed to know. They were never created to know. And so, uh, and and so we know that 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 the the the, the world that was uh, created and and meant for glory in a lot of ways ceased to represent the image it was meant to create and and uh, it became a shadow that no longer bore the image of the object that was projecting the shadow and and yet that's exactly that's exactly what Ezekiel is saying here with uh, Israel Israel was a creation and and the, and the purpose of Israel as a creation was to be adorned with the glory of God. First, he brings it to life. He says, "Live," and and then he begins to cover it with himself and add to it his own beauty, his own glory, his own attributes, his own. He doesn't. He doesn't. Put, send it away to, to send this woman away to school and and tell her to come up with her own beauty. She doesn't have anything. She was squirming there in her own blood. The beauty she has is him bringing to her, working in her the things that are really his. And so, in both of these creations, the creation of Israel, the creation of the, the uh, natural world, God, God has a purpose. And the purpose of God is to create this, you can call it a wife, you can call it a creation, you can call it a land, you can call it a harvest, whatever you want, whatever language you want to use from the Old Testament, it's his increase and glory and purpose filling up something that he has made. And then, and in both of those uh, cases, the same thing happens. Uh, in, in the natural creation, man became a purpose unto himself. Man took the things that God had made and used them. He believed this idea that he could be wise, that he could know good and evil, that he could be like God, that he, you know, 
he took what God had made, and rather than being be, being used of God to glorify Himself, he took that, and and he, and the, the entire natural creation after the fall became a means to man's end instead of a means to God's end. That's what that's what the natural man does. That's what the natural man is. What 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 unifies or what what is the common thread in every Adamic heart that exists? We use the things around us for our own benefit, for our own good. I mean, you can try to put some perfume on that and make it smell a little better, but when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, the nature that works in our soul is a nature that takes the things around us that seem appealing, good to the eye, good to make one wise and pleasant for food or whatever, takes the things or the people or the, or the money or the whatever it is that, that is around us, and we use it for ourselves independently of God. We declare our independence of God, or we're actually born having declared that independence. We're born in Adam, dead in sin and transgressions. And the way that we relate to this creation is not the way that God originally created us. It's not, we don't relate to this creation as parts of, 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 of or, or that thing in that God is going to use to, to bring about a greater expression of his own person and being. Oh no, that, that has no, we don't have really any interest in that at all. What interests us is to take the things that God has made. And whether we continue believing in God or whether we deny his existence altogether, to use those things to glorify ourselves. That's what happened in Ezekiel 16 as well. She takes the goal. I didn't read on it. The whole rest of the chapter, much longer than I read about the, the good part, is the, is the part about how she took everything that God had given her and she created idols and, and she, she, uh, she gave herself to harlotry and, and prostituted herself with every, everything in the world, you know, that God had, uh, every, every foreign thing and, 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 uh, that's the story of both both the first creation and the second creation, if 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 you can call Israel that, the second creation, fell short of the glory of God. And so obviously God knew this was going to happen. I mean they got this wasn't a surprise to God, and nor did he ever change his plan or purpose. God's purpose, as we've talked about many times before in other classes, was never the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was created to bear a picture of his purpose. Nor is God now trying to restore what he had in the Garden of Eden. That was only ever a natural picture and testimony. Even when, it, even before the fall, it was still an external, physical, natural picture of an internal, spiritual, eternal reality. And Because in the mind of God... The, both the natural creation and the covenant creation were pictures of an eternal spiritual. It's not like the third time's the charm, you know, like he got it right with the cross. The third, the the, the cross brought about the thing he had in mind from the very beginning. I mean, but Paul says that in various places, Ephesians one being one of them. That that he had it in his heart from before the foundation of the world to have a people living in his son before him in his presence in love, which is in this relationship that he's brought us into and and so the cross fulfilled the eternal purpose of God which is what Paul says and also in in Ephesians uh, 3:12 I think it says the eternal purpose of God which was completed in Christ Jesus our Lord um, 
completed because through the cross, God created a, a new creation in his resurrected son, which isn't a new planet. It's not, it's not better stars and bigger, bigger uh, I don't know, birds and, and prettier oceans. Or, it's nothing natural. It's the fulfillment of all the natural pictures. So in Christ, you have a creation. And it's a creation that was created for glory. Now, there's so many verses that talk about this, that, that the whole purpose. There's, there's, there's verses in the Old Testament that talk about the natural creation created for glory, bearing the glory of God. All creation declares the glory of God. There's verses in Isaiah that talk about Israel was a people created for glory, a people that God was going to glorify himself with. And then there's verses in the New Testament that talk about how God has brought many sons to glory or how he has, he has uh, saved us to uh, bear the glory of Jesus Christ or how... Uh, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit, the whole greatness of our salvation is Christ in us, the expectation of glory. We exalt, we boast in the expectation of glory. Romans 5, 2, or 3, or 2, no, I don't know. Um, and, and so, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say glory has been, is the purpose for creation. And the only way that God has truly been able to glorify himself is by creating a, a, a creation, by making a creation that he himself could live in and be the glory of. Not a creation of shadows and pictures and types. Not a creation of trees and birds and water. Those things had a lesser glory, a temporary glory, a reflective glory. They were like the moon. Not the sun. The moon doesn't produce its own light. It reflects the light from something else. The sun is a greater light. And, and, and the sun produces its own light. It's the source of light. Well, all of these other things, the, the first creation, the second creation of Israel, were like the moon. They, they were a reflected glory. But God never wanted the moon. He wanted the sun to rise. He wanted the dawning of a new day. He wanted a greater light to come. And that light came. And we all know that Jesus referred to himself as that light. We, in fact, in John, he always... I mean, one of the things he loves to call himself and talk about is how he is that light and how he's the only light in the world. And light has come to the world, but men love darkness. And if you would confess that you were blind, I would give you sight. You know, because he was that light. He was the dawning of a new day, the coming of a... Of, a, of the sun as opposed to the long night of the moon that, that was first. First is the night, then is the day. That's the order from the very beginning. In fact, you'll find that order in Genesis. You'll find that order throughout um, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers too because Israel's uh, calendars maintain that order. Night's first, moon's first, day's second, sun is second. The, the, the Jewish day started in the evening because the creation started with the night. It started with the moon. It started with a lesser light. It started with a lesser creation, a lesser covenant. And then with the dawning of the resurrection, the sun, came, like, like a bridegroom, uh, how does it say, like the sun coming up in the, in the dawn, the bridegroom coming out of his chamber. There's, there's, all, there's so many different verses that talk about this if we can see what they're saying. And, and uh, <clears throat> so, so God in the new creation, I just want to 
I want us all to see this new creation and, and see how awesome it is. God made something. I wish I could say it in stronger language. God made something that would be, again, like a diamond is to the sun. A diamond has no glory, but it can contain the glory of the sun and refract and reflect it. He created something that would not just... It wasn't a mirror. He didn't make a mirror that, that, that reflected his glory. He made something he could actually go inside of and cause his glory to come out of it, to, to, to live in it. And this, this, gets, I mean, this could get you right into Zechariah or Haggai about the glory of the latter house and how he says, uh, he's, <laughs> I love it when he says, don't, don't, he says to the angel, don't, you don't have to measure the new, the new, the new house because uh, basically in my paraphrase, I'm the dimensions of it. I am the glory within it and I'm a wall of fire with, around it. And, and, uh, and so he is. The new creation is a habitation. What was the old creation? The, the first creation. It's a habitation for a man. And the man was supposed to fill it, increase it, and reign over it. What's the new creation? It's a habitation for a man. A new man. A greater man. Not the first Adam. The last Adam. Not the, not the first man. A new man. A resurrected man. Christ. It's a habitation. For what? For the increase of his seed. Not the seed that, that the fruit trees and, and the wheat and whatever you see in the natural creation. The seed of Christ. The seed, the implanted seed. The, 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 the precious, perfect seed of God. And it fills and it, and it grows and it has a greater and greater expression filling up that. What is it also? It's also a covenant. Is it the old covenant? No, it's a new covenant. It's a new relationship, where wherein, wherein God Himself has joined Himself. God has actually come to live in, dwell in the midst of this, of this thing that He has made, this temple, this city, this mountain of, of His inheritance. Uh, Exodus fifteen seventeen. I, I will bring you, I will plant you in the mountain of my inheritance, in the place that I have chosen for my own dwelling place. I mean, man, all these scriptures, I don't know, I get, I get, I get so excited seeing what God has done because it's just the perfect, perfect fulfillment of everything he has ever testified to. And, and so, okay, um the going back to these these like uh elements of of uh of Christ or aspects of Christ that he adds to the um to the creation the ultimate the ultimate uh fulfillment of God filling up the natural earth with things that testify of Christ, or God filling up Israel with things that testify of Christ, the ultimate fulfillment of that is not making a bunch of Christians that act like Christ. Oh my goodness, that's so far short. The fulfillment of it is Galatians 4.19. My little children, of whom I am again in travail until Christ is formed in you. The actual substance, the actual person, 
being formed in this new creation. We know that he says in Second Corinthians chapter five, all things have pa- old, old old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. You know, you are a new creation in Christ. And if, if any man is in Christ, behold, he is a new creation. And, and, and so that's a fact. There's a new creation. And the moment we're born again, we're no longer evil, corrupt, and disgusting. We're, we're just formless, void, and dark. Do you see? The moment he, we were born of his spirit, we're, we come alive. He says, live. We're no longer squirming in our blood. He says, live. And, and and so the issue isn't that we're dead in trespasses and sin anymore. The issue is that we've become a creation that we don't we don't know what we are. We don't know where we are. We don't know what's real. But we're alive. But we're lacking light. We're lacking form. You see, we're, we're and so so God, God so so Paul is in labor until Christ is formed. In in. In him, or you could say, until glory is formed in the creation of God. Okay? Until God causes his creation to become a state of glory. And, and, and the problem is, right from the beginning, you can never be conformed to a glory that you cannot see. You cannot be conformed to a glory that, that, that is, is an imagination to you. And so God always begins by saying, let there be light. It's how he started both of the old creations, and, and, and that's how he starts the new creation. He, he creates you, I mean, that's, he, he creates it by causing you to be born of the Spirit, but then the way he begins to add the, uh, the formation of Christ begins with seeing. He creates something and yet it's void. It's empty. It's dark. He says, let there be light. And he begins to form glory. Uh, And unless there's light, all we do as the body of Christ is talk about glory. We sing about glory. We read about glory. But we never bear the glory of God. You know, in a lot of ways, we don't even like glory. We don't even know what glory means so much of the time. We, we think about glory as a place that we go to, or we think about glory as a bright light that, you know, Grandma saw right before she was passing away or something. I don't know. But, you know, glory is glory is, is the seeing of God. It is the, is the self-revelation of God. And in order for God to be glorified in you, in order for you to be a, a vessel that glorifies God, what what is working in you must be God Himself. There must, if Adam, if the Adamic, unrenewed, darkened mind is still what's most real to you, then then, then you're not going to be glorifying God. And so I say we don't like glory because we want to hold on to our lives. We want to believe in glory, but we don't want to bear glory. We want to we want to uh, sing songs about glory. But, but in order for us to become the body of glory that Paul talks about in Philippians, for instance, to be changed into the body of glory, that means losing the body, the man, the nature that isn't glorious at all. That means losing the man who decided in the very beginning to be a source of his own glory, to use creation to glorify himself. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I say we don't like glory because glory threatens self. Glory, to to experience glory, involves a cross. 
To walk in glory means losing everything that has fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what's that? That's you. It's a cross. It's it's being crucified with Christ. And uh, all right, so let me. I'm going to put up this diagram here for you guys, and for anyone listening to this later, it's on the. I'll put it on the internet here too, so you can you can see it. Um, it, it this isn't perfect, and I don't pretend to. I don't. You know, as as always, I say this all the time, but I want you guys to believe me. Like, don't don't take things. I, I, I don't ever listen to me say anything. Or you know, th- these are these are little you know glimpses of spiritual things that I think the Lord has made real in my heart. But but I, I don't I don't pretend to have all the details worked out well or or, or, or see it very clearly or or have. Um, you know, take all this stuff to the Lord. Ask Him to deal with your heart about it. I, I know He's for, in my heart. He's just keeps, you know, whatever He, whenever I see Him in a greater way, it, it you know, I, I, I see more. But I'm always also aware of just how so easily I, 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 I just I, I am the darkness, you know, into which He needs to shine. So I just present these kind of things to you with a little bit of uh, fear and trepidation that don't, you know. I think this represents kind of what what what's going on in these creations, but don't make it into like this fixed pattern of of uh, how things work. What, what I have here is in, in the beginning is the word, and the word is projecting these these shadows, and and and, and the first shadow is is the or out from the word comes this um, natural creation, and the natural creation kind of has this order. God deals with it with light, and then he see he deals with the heavens, then the earth, then a kingdom, then a man, then rest, and then the, the rest for me is a state of glory. And then you see the the creation of old covenant Israel, and again I talked about how they came out in the morning in the light, and and uh, what, what what you see. Well, I'll get to this in a second, but God immediately begins to deal with Israel as a heavenly people. We have the order backwards, and I have some teachings about this online. Um, but in in the natural in the natural mind, here's what here's the order that we think is is right. We say that first we're on the earth, then we die, and then we go to heaven. But from God's perspective, the order is actually death first, first you die with Christ, then heaven, which is then you're raised up immediately and seated with Christ in heaven, in the heavens, and you know, you're citizens of heaven, even though your body continues on the earth, you're, you're, you're raised up with him. I mean, there's so many verses that talk about that. And, and then that heavenly reality can be made manifest in the earth. And so, First, God crucifies you with His Lamb. Okay, first that's what He did in Old Covenant Israel. First, they put, He didn't He didn't start showing them the priesthood, which is this heavenly relationship, before they were crucified in the Lamb, before they were entered into that blood-covered door and and died with Christ. But right afterwards, immediately after leaving Egypt, He doesn't take them right into the land and bring an increase of His kingdom because. First, he teaches them through the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the, all the priesthood, this heavenly relationship. And then it goes from there 
and to the earth and this development of, of a of, of a kingdom that, that culminates in a man uh, you know in the old covenant it, it really really the greatest picture of that that man or that king was in David and Solomon that was kind of this this governor this 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 king over to- this entire environment of a kingdom and a priesthood and then you see Solomon bring them into this state of rest this this perfect state of uh, in types and shadows obviously it wasn't happening in anybody's heart but it was happening in the natural picture a state of glory where all of Israel was filled up to uh, uh, well filled up from border to border and even beyond with like overflowing with the glory of God, with the wisdom of the king, with the, with the, uh, the riches and, and wisdom and splendor of the kingdom of God in, in, in those pictures. Well, God does something very similar to that in, in the new creation, and that's, that, that order continues. And that's kind of what I'm trying to show with this diagram is, it, it, to me at least, the way I see this is that the, the, the pattern continues in the soul when he makes a new creation in his son it starts with light and the next the very next thing that happens in our hearts in terms of growth now the very next thing that might happen in your church is that uh, you you serve some man's vision for the next 30 years which is really sad because the very next thing that should happen in your heart is God says, well, after saying, let there be light, he opens up the heavens. He opens, that is to say, he, he, he makes a great distinction in your heart. He divides the heavens from the earth. He, he, he makes a distinct, distinction in your hearts between a heavenly reality and natural reality, and he shows you that you're part of the heavens, that you were crucified with him and then raised up with him. And, and made alive with him and seated with him in heavenly places that your true home is his true home hidden with Christ in God Paul says in, in Colossians uh, made alive with him Paul says in Romans and raised up or, or you know all, whatever whatever verse is citizens with him uh, in citizens of heaven with him and so that is what you start to see when the light starts to shine if the light shines in your heart, God's not going to show you a bunch of um, little old ladies that you need to, to help across the street. I mean, he's not going to show you the earth first. You understand? He's not going to try to cause you to be a manifestation of his kingdom in the earth when you haven't even seen that that kingdom is heavenly. He's not going to, you know, God's not going to shine light in your heart and say, okay, go do this, 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 and lead children's church for 20 years and do that. He's going to show you the fact that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, fix your mind on things above. And, and do not look at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are not seen. Because that's what defines you. That's where you are. That's what you are. That's the reality. And, and, and that's what he did uh, with the Israel, too. As soon as they came out of Egypt, he didn't say, go conquer the land. He said, look, let me show you who you are. Build this tabernacle, and I'll demonstrate it for you. I'll put you right in the breastplate of that high priest, and I'll bring you into my house, because that's where you are. I'll cause you to be the fragrance of Christ, and I'll, I'll bring you in and 
show you to be the ones who live in my presence, that I will dwell in the midst of you, you will dwell in the midst of me, that's where you are, that's what you are. And he begins to do that. I have this cool quote here from Tias and Sparks. Uh, it says, They came out of stone houses directly related to the earth. They came out into a wilderness where everything was not earthly. Everything was heavenly. Heavenly symbols. For instance, the blue robe on the high priest and the bit of the same blue on the border of the garments of every man, woman, and child throughout all their generations. I don't know if you remember that those scriptures that talk about how they had to sew a little bit of the same, this blue, which is like this heavenly uh, thing onto all their garments. And then he says, this is continuing with Sparks, so heavenliness was the character of this people. They were not of this earth, but out for God unto the heavenlies. That's from a book of his called The Church, which is his body. And and so they, they were brought into this heavenly relationship, and God showed them the, 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 the heavens, and, and, and then, only then, could heavenly citizens, raised up into heaven, become instruments by which God could have expression in the earth. So you'll notice when they come out of Egypt, the order wasn't um, death and then kingdom and then priesthood. It was death, priesthood, and then kingdom because through the priesthood, God showed them this heavenly relationship. And then that heavenly reality relationship could be made manifest in the earth. Okay? Um, and, and, and then you see, you know, Jesus talking to, uh, right in the beginning, Jesus tells Nathaniel, is another scripture that, you know, he, he, Nathaniel runs up and, and, and Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree, and, and Nathaniel's amazed at this supernatural view of him that Christ has, and, and then he says, don't marvel at this, Nathaniel, you will see the heavens opened. That's what he says. You'll see the heavens opened. And 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 that's the first thing. That's the first thing they begin to see after the resurrection. The heavens are opened, and they can see this heavenly reality, a heavenly relationship. In fact, they are raised up and seated with Christ, and you can also see that the spirit of Christ falls and and fills them up. That's what happens. Um. All right. So and then God begins to. Um, the next dealing in, in the creation story, and I'm, I'm not going to try to go into all the details. I think there's some teachings about this online and other places, but God begins to deal with the earth. He starts talking about increase in the earth, seeds uh, uh, increasing according to their kind, animals increasing according to their kind, and it and it kind of uh, uh, you see this this picture of of of, of increase and filling. The, the earth is being filled up. The land is being filled up, okay? And then there's pictures of government, starting with the sun, the moon, and the stars, which uh, are, are said to, the sun is the, governs the day, the, 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 the moon governs the night. I've already made a couple comments about that and, and some pictures of what that talks about, but um, the, 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 that, that after that and only after that, this, this picture of, of um, God, uh, well, only after this order has taken these first steps does God, I think, show uh, a greater view 
of this whole purpose in a man and and the man the man is formed and he 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 is, he is told to reign over everything that God has uh, created, and so uh, I know I, you could talk about that with with relation to shift to the kingdom, and how God sums up everything of his, in His creation with one man governing everything and 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 whatever. But ultimately, it brings us to a state of rest, and rest in. The first creation uh, has to do with the seventh day. You remember the story? God separates, sanctifies, sets apart the seventh day. It's rest. It has to do with setting himself apart from the six days of natural creation, the six days of labor and resting uh, from that. And and then uh, from that point on, basically, God begins to invite us into his rest. And you start to see that again right away with Israel. When God creates Israel, one of the very first things he does with them uh, is begins to establish establish this picture of rest, not only in the Sabbath, because it's there the seventh day, but then he starts to describe them coming into the land as coming into their rest. And Joshua bringing them into rest and 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 ultimately this 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 the picture of the land is a picture of a people coming into Christ and finding Christ to be their rest and and resting from their labors and resting from their slavery and, and in fact when they enter into the land in Joshua chapter 5 uh i think it's verse 9 he says uh when they the day that they walk into that land he says today i have rolled away the reproach of egypt from you and uh I'm kind of squeezing all this stuff together here, trying to wrap up. But he, if if you read uh, Hebrews chapter three and four, um, you can see that the author of Hebrews takes both of these former pictures of rest: the rest in the seventh day and the rest that Joshua brought Israel into into the land, and says there remains a greater rest for the people of God, and then begins to talk about Christ as the greater rest. That the seventh day was a picture, that the land was a picture, and yet Christ brings them into the true day of rest. It's a, it's a, rest is a word that speaks of the absence of enemies. Uh, Solomon, Solomon's kingdom had rest from warfare. There was nothing more in the land that, didn't, that, that was fighting against the, the reign of the king. Uh, an absence of me, really, was what it comes down to. An absence of, of, of my nature fighting against the increase of Christ in my heart. It's also an absence of slavery and labor and the sweat of the brow. That you know, living by the—that's one of the par- parts of the curse of the natural creation. God says, "From now on, man will live by the sweat of his brow." Well, that comes to an end in rest. You don't live by the sweat of your brow. You live by the life of another. You don't live in slavery to sin and death. You live as a subject in the kingdom of God. You don't live under the curse. You know, you live in, under the blessing. And so it's a freedom from all of these things that have fallen short of the glory of God. And but the greatest thing about this this last um, this this rest or this state of glory is the fact that it is a it is a state or or a condition in which 
God himself is is known and is made known. God is seen and is being seen through us. God is God has given himself to us and God has glorified himself in us. And so with all three of these creations, the story ends the same. The purpose was the same. And only in the in the new creation in Christ, which is a new covenant and a new man and a new everything, does God actually accomplish through the cross this perfect state of glory. So I'll, I'll stop with that. And we can have a time of discussion or questions or whatever.